Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Uh, welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. How different are women and men uh, is it just a matter of your sex assigned at birth, or is it something more fundamental? Uh, to dig into this question for a long time, I've wanted to talk for some, with someone who, for whom it's just not a matter of opinion. And I recently, happily, discovered that person, Dr. Joyce Benenson, who has written an extensively researched book, Warriors and Warriors. Uh, Dr. Benenson is a retired professor of psychology at Emanuel College in Boston and an associate member of the Human Evolutionary Biology Department at Harvard University. Uh, and she has studied children's interactions since she was 19 as an undergraduate at Duke University. Uh, welcome, Joyce, delighted, uh, delighted you're here. Thank you. So what's the, what's the theme of the book, uh, Warriors, Warriors? What's the, what's the premise? Well, I mean, I started my work in preschools and if you go into any preschool um, in a Western society, or if you go into a hunter-gatherer group, you'll find that the boys and the girls are doing different things. And uh, nobody's telling them to do it, they're just doing it. And what are boys doing? They're fighting, they're engaging in rough and tumble play, they're doing what many species and across all human societies I know of do. Um, they're competing over everything, who can jump the highest, who can make, throw something the farthest, um, they're doing something that I find fascinating, which is creating enemies. So enemies can be anything. Um, they can be things they make up. Um, they can be uh, aliens. They can be sharks, tigers, whatever it is. And boys are doing this. And I, you know, you watch this. It drives the preschool teachers nuts. Um, it's not fun having the boys because they're a lot of times running over one another and the girls and the teacher. But you know, they're concerned. They love what they're doing. They're really into it. And that's not what the girls are doing. So, you know, at age three, uh, beginning of preschool or in a hunter-gatherer society, the girls are interested, from my perspective, in survival. So they're interested in cooking, cleaning, keeping babies alive. They even uh, go through dead babies and dead animals that they bring back to life. Um, through care and nurture. Um, they're cleaning to make sure everything is hygienic. They're in real hunter-gatherer societies, they're actually by age three and four taking care of younger siblings and really into it. So what we see is boys and girls very, very early doing very different things and nobody pushing them into it. And it, it's something that you can find across species in terms of rough and tumble play, in terms of interest in infants and survival. It's something you see across cultures. So to me, this is a very basic part of being a human being, and that is being a male or being a female. And to me, that has got to be partially innate and absolutely um, affected by whether you have brothers or, you know, what kind of society you're in. And certainly there's differences within males and within females. But overall, on average, to me as a developmental psychologist, it just makes total sense that there are huge differences that we come into the world with. Well, you open one of the chapters in your book on, from a trip to Uganda. And 
that's just one of dozens of countries you've studied. I mean, how many different countries and cultures have you looked at to okay. uh, reach this conclusion? So myself, I haven't gone to that many. I've lived in Canada. I've lived in the UK. I've lived in obviously the United States. So, you know, and I've just, just started looking at some work in Uganda, but I have read extensively and I particularly am interested in the hunter-gatherer societies and people who have, you know, lived with hunter-gatherers for, for many years. So I've tried to make my book and my more recent work very cross-cultural and I have yet to find that what's in the book is is not correct. It's 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 it's. it's ex I, I I'm going to recommend this book three or four times in the next half hour, but it's extensively researched. I I lost track counting all the footnotes. The number into seven or eight hundred um, uh, citations in the book of of research that other people have done. So this is not just just sort of what you came up with, but, but instead it's building on the work of a lot of other serious scholars in this area, and. The, the premise, as I understand it, is, or one of the premises, is that in a fundamental way, we're, our bodies are nothing but carriers for our DNA. And the DNA and the, and the genes of, have a survival instinct and you know, a little bit like a virus inhabits the body. I mean, our, our DNA, in fact, drives our behaviors. And you've gone back to look at this, what, evolutionary biology back 200,000 years, 300,000 years to hunter-gatherers, and the sort of behaviors that cause men to succeed and women to succeed evolved in very different ways so the genes would uh, perpetuate themselves. Is that, is that a fair uh, a summary? That's certainly the premise of the book. I mean, there's no question. I mean, we're looking at, or people out there who I cite are looking at contemporary hunter and gatherers, but you know, we're also looking at chimpanzees, um, some of my colleagues and bonobos and certainly many other species. And it would sort of be absurd in the non-human primate world to say, oh yeah, there's no difference between males and females. They do the same thing. I mean, that would be laughable. So to me, it's very frustrating within the human world to, to say the same thing. I mean, the fact is uh, a mother has babies. And if the mother did not take care of those babies, well, that mother's genes would die out because the babies would die. And in the environment in which most humans survived, 50% um, of babies died. So you had to be on your toes all the time. That to me is such an important statistic. 50% of children did not make it to age 15. So if you have a mother who really doesn't care that much whether her children live, forget it. There's no chance her children are gonna live. And you know, males can be helpful or not. Fathers are variable quantity, but it's really, really important for a human mother to have help because human mothers not only have infants to take care of, but then they have juveniles and they have adolescents who still need care because they're still very vulnerable. So we're talking about a mother who has to be attentive all the time and who has to be worrying about her children all the time and who needs help as much as possible with this. Um, and males are just not doing the same thing. Well, you, you, the book is exceptionally well organized. You've got a part one warriors and a part two warriors. And, you know, they're fun chapter titles. Chapter one on warriors is enemy fighting, a man's basic instinct, and then goes on. And then, but in your, your leading chapter for, for, for girls and women is protecting herself, a woman's basic instinct. And you, you contrast the fact that men 
you know, pursue sex, they have sex and they can be out of there. I mean, they're not, there's no continuing involvement in, in, the, in the birth and growth of, of the child and everything else that come after. Whereas the women are extremely, um, <laughs> they're all in, there's no, there's no going back. And also the women's uh, physiology, the, the plumbing, the, all the sort of things that you need to worry about in order to, to, to give birth. Yeah, you went on and, and it's very interesting. Could you explain that? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think it's absolutely a major part of being a female to be self-protective because the bottom line is if you are not healthy, your children in most environments wouldn't have survived. So we talk about modern environments and it's a little confusing, but it's still the case that a healthy mother who can invest in her children is going to be helping her children survive and thrive. And mothers can make an enormous difference. I'm not saying fathers can't too in our environment where there's no female kin around oftentimes in a Western environment, but mothers throughout history and of course across other primates, they determine whether the child really, really does well or not. And again, I always have to say, yes, there are some fathers who are very good mothering at mothering, but it really is essential that a mother take care of herself, protect herself. And we know that there's all kinds of um, bodily functions that make a mother more afraid, more careful. Um, women feel pain much more than men. It's an enormous effect. Um, I, it's more recent research that I've been doing. If that's good. Then you don't get injured. You don't find yourself uh, touching a snake twice and getting bitten twice. I mean, that's amazing to me. Uh, that's something men do and boys do. You know, you and you, you you point out a lot of risky behaviors that <laughs> men engage in. <laughs> like, didn't you ask one class? Wasn't there one class where you had like a hundred people in the class and you said, "How many of you have gotten up on the roof?" And there were yeah. like sixty hands that went up. And then the next question was would all the boys drop their hands? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. there were like two girls that are two women that had said they'd gotten onto a roof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I, I have gotten on a roof, so I, I'm and guilty I as charged. <laughs> yeah, no. And again, I always want to say not to make anyone uncomfortable that, you know, there are women who are more like men and there are men who are more like women. And that's true with non-human primates too. So, but the point is on average, there are really very, very large differences. And to me, that's because that helps you pass along your genes. And it's a very different uh, quantity than what, that what men do and what boys I see doing by age three. Well, this, when I heard, when I read this, and I, again, it, it, it's so authoritatively and researched and thoughtful, well-written, I went on back on Amazon and I took a look at the comment section and I thought in this politically correct world, there, there'd be all sorts of trolls, trolls saying, well, how could you say something preposterous like this? You've got no pushback at all in that world. As a matter of fact, all the comments are four and five stars. What about in the academic community? Are you feeling, were there people that said, oh, well, no, that's not right because you're missing this or that. What, what, what about the, the pushback? Um, honestly, it's been terrible. Um, wow. My work academically has been shunned. Um, there's very few people who know of my work and are interested in it, and they um, do get very, very angry about it. And I, I never in a million years thought that that would happen. So I don't quite understand what's going on. I, you know, I always bring up the idea that 
My work is well-intentioned to help humans um, just take COVID. I mean, COVID leads to a huge sex difference in death and a huge sex difference in the long-term chronic fatigue syndrome-like results of, for some people. There are huge sex differences. Um, there are you know, a number of people, and I have to say there, there are a number of women who think I'm in some way hurting women's cause, and I don't mean to do that at all. I mean, I'm all for women um, being able to do a lot of things that men do. I, no way do I wanna constrain a woman's choices, but it's crazy to me to not emphasize sex differences. It's, it's destructive, it's, it's killing people, honestly, because there's so many diseases that there's maybe almost every disease that there's a huge sex differentiation. So, uh, oh, you're watching the Bill Walton show and I'm talking with Dr. Joyce Benenson about her very interesting book, Warriors and Warriors and the reception it's received from the academic world. Uh, Joyce, you make a very interesting point is that if we ignore the, the actual effects of a virus on different sexes, we're gonna end up with horrible outcomes. And so denying, and, and again, you, your, your roots are back in just what are the, what is it about women's makeup that makes them susceptible to this or that? Or what is it about men's makeup that makes them not or more so? And it's not, uh, you're not trying to make a point about uh, which sex is better. You're just saying sexes are different. Exactly. And so I did read with a lot of recognition, this, this little boys and, and enemies and, and, <laughs> That's 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 an interesting place to start start talking about men as as warriors and then even little boys finding enemies and you know my 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 grandchildren I've got two little boys and they're always walking around with this toy or that toy and they're inventing things and they're they're knocking down this fortress or that and that's not something that we particularly taught them they just came up with it so what is it why why do boys uh, want to find enemies and what what makes them warriors. Um, you know, you can answer that at many different levels from an evolutionary perspective. Um, if another group attacked, you would definitely want somebody to protect you. And there's no question that if women were out there with young children or any age children trying to protect the village, then there's more, there's less chance that their genes would be passed on. But if the women stay away from the front lines and send the men, um, the men are particularly young men who are really strong, they're best positioned to protect the village. So that to me makes so much sense. And of course, I come from you know, a background where I spent a lot of time reading the literature on chimpanzees and that's exactly what happens. The male chimpanzees go out, they patrol their territory. They are single file, looks like the military. They're very quiet. And if they see an intruder or anyone close to their territory, they will attack. And you know, they're trying to protect themselves and they make incursions into neighboring territory because they get benefits from having more food and they're, the females and the, the, their infants benefit. So there's huge benefits. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I get a little frustrated because women might complain about their husbands or boyfriends and saying, oh, you know, they're, they're so unemotional and they're so super confident about everything. And I wish they would open up a little bit. And I laugh a little bit because I think, how would it be if, you know, there's a fire and all the women and the children have to go fight the fire? Um, it would be much better to send somebody who's not on the front lines of taking care of the 
So, you know, and if an enemy attacks, honestly, if there's a, an emergency, like for example, that horrible shooting that we have, you yeah. know, who runs in there? It's a horrible, horrible thing what happened. But most of the people who ran in were men. And, you know, that does protect the community in a way and leaves the women as much as possible to take care of the offspring. And I'm not in any way saying fathers aren't important. I'm saying mothers are usually more important. And if we can protect them, it, it's beneficial. Well, I'm so there's a lot of, you, you mentioned that, that men are emotionally reserved and that is good because it, when you're in a stressful situation like fighting a war or something, fighting a fire, being cool is a, is a big advantage. And you also mentioned that men tend not to want to talk a lot about what they're doing and that they just rather talk about the task at hand and that men's friendships tend to be built more around a common activity. Um, and I, I laughed out loud about that one when I read it because I play golf and I've got some guys I play golf with. And Sarah, my wife asked me when I come back, so you're out there with them for you know, four or five hours. What, what do you talk about? And I said, we talk about golf. <laughs> it's sort of like, so reading your book, I thought, well, yeah, that's that's sort of what what happens. And it, it's it, it. But yeah, we can be so. But but the point is about being task oriented. It, that's not the whole story. I mean, you mentioned you also point out that women around the world forever have worked a lot harder than men. Longer hours, you go, you, you, your great scene about the young boys and loitering on the street in Uganda, they're not doing anything. And while the girls are there carrying babies and helping their mothers. I mean, what's, what's that about? Yeah, I, I, again, it's so frustrating because I feel that women are so task oriented and they work so hard. And basically women have jobs that never end because basically when you have a child, um, you're in pretty much in for it for the rest of your life. So oftentimes women not only help their children and keep them alive, but they also help their grandchildren and help keep them alive. So what does that entail? That entails cooking, cleaning, medical visits, in our society, education, socialization, very complex. So, you know, I've seen a number of women quit their jobs. It always surprises me, but just because they feel they can't, they aren't doing enough to help their children out, um, do well in society. Now, this is of course a certain class of, Western society, but across the world, women work. And there's no way around that because when you have little kids and even adolescents, they need help. And then once they have their own children, they need help. So it's it's really something, I think women are shortchanged. I, girls have a much shorter adolescence than boys. They get married earlier. They have children earlier. People don't realize this. And so life is much more serious. And you can see that even the preschool, you know, it might be that you see girls are playing, but what are they doing? They're working on survival skills. Even our modern Western preschool where nobody's saying you have to take care of your infant sibling right now, but girls are practicing. And boys meanwhile are doing, having a lot more fun in terms of making up all kinds of enemies and, and rough and tumble play and competing. And in many ways, I think males' lives are less serious because they're not on the front lines of taking care of someone who could die at any time. It is true when there's an emergency, there's where males really step up and they're absolutely essential for, for keeping society alive. So uh, 
you, you, you explained to me that men spend more time playing sports and games. <laughs> well, basically, and this has been true back all the decade, hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, I, I mentioned that to Maureen, my, uh, who helps me with the show, and she's sitting right here. And she quite agrees with you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she no, quite agrees. <laughs> so what does this what does this mean though for all the social reengineering that we're going through now? I mean, if these are if this is if we're hardwired to behave this way, men one way, men in another way, women another way, and there's survival strategies involved that that's good for men to act in this way because there are enemies and we need to deal with that. And then, uh, you know, we need to perpetuate, we need to have our children grow to, grow to adulthood and, and be, in turn, them successful adults. Yet now we're, 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 we're saying things like, well, your sex is what's assigned at birth. And I don't want to do politics, but I am curious about, as a scientist, what, 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 how do you react when somebody says that? You know, I, I guess... There are so many things that go through my mind. Um, you can change society. Obviously, if you have a society where there are marauders, <laughs> there's either gangs or there, you know, there's a threat of another uh, country nearby attacking, you're going to raise your children in a much more sex type way because you need those males to be prepared to defend you. It, it's absolutely essential. If there are a lot of emergencies where you could die easily and quickly, then you're going to raise children differently. Yes, if you're saying we take a society, we make sure all the children are going to survive with the best medical care, and we it's amazing what doctors have done. They, you know, they reduce infant sure. mortality, childhood mortality. So then you don't need mothers to be as you know attentive all the time. And if you're going to take fathers and say, okay, there's no war, there's you know there's a great fire department, uh, you don't have to be a part of it. You can do other things. Sure, you're going to look like you can just get rid of sex differences. But what I'm saying is when these very basic um, emergencies occur, then there's a reversion, I would say, always to sex roles. So I strongly think, and in hunter-gatherers, it's true that women should be out there producing things, doing things, not just taking care of their children. Um, and I strongly support that. And men also can be very attentive and caring fathers in hunter-gatherer societies. But should a neighboring community attack? Should there be a fight um, where somebody is threatening to kill somebody else? Then back to sex type roles. So they, I can see superficially that men and women can do many of the same things. And at, at, at a deep level that, that works well until there's not an emergency, there's not a crisis. And then I think it's very difficult not to revert back to original, you know, sex typed, genetically determined roles. Well, I, uh, was, that all seems so remote to us today. I mean, living in modern America, we have conflicts, but they tend to be more political and, and social, cultural, not particularly kinetic warfare life and death things that we have to deal with. And yet there are those threats out there. I mean, China in the last 15, not 15, last few decades, 30, 40, 50 years has become much more aggressive and assertive. And their culture is very different from ours, although the men and women are, are really 
they've really assigned duties in, in China, whether it's assigned or it's a, it just happens by sex. It's a male-dominated society, and they are they're 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 acting very warlike. So how should I know we weren't going to do geopolitics here, but how do we how do we think about that? I mean, I I think we need to worry about China. I think that we've got to be um, we've got to be mindful. Could you, you want to weigh in on that, or have we wandered so far off topic that I've got us all on the spot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the type of warfare warfare that's going to be fought is obviously very different than yeah. you know wrestling or getting necessarily killed. So I feel like that's a little bit. Um, uh, off my my range of expertise, okay, well, but, it's, but it's I, out of mind too. So yeah, we'll... yeah. Um, but I can't. I mean, I can respond it another way, and that is even in our modern society where we've taken away a lot of the emergencies. If you go into a preschool or you look at young kids at home, the boys and the girls have different interests, and that never goes away. Um, girls grow up to be women who really are more interested than men in helping those who are vulnerable, and. You know, the examples, everyone knows this. There's huge, huge sex differences. Who wants to take care of um, other people who are disabled? People who have, um, you know, mental difficulties, emotional difficulties, um, uh, physical difficulties, whatever, any kind of vulnerability. And you're gonna find a huge difference in who wants to be in that field. And I'm talking about one-on-one -on -one regular contact helping an individual. Um, and, and then if you look at things like mechanical interests or things that have nothing to do with people, that's a huge sex difference that remains organizing our society. Um, so what you see at three does not go away, even, yeah, even outside of an emergency in terms of interests. Uh, you're watching the Bill Walton show. I'm talking with Dr. Joyce Benison, author of Warriors and Warriors, and we're talking about how sex differences occur at a very early age. Uh, Joyce, you've got a wonderful passage in your book uh, about British boys, a list of things they enjoy doing, and it goes on for hundreds of items, but they, they enjoy fighting enemies on playstations, drawing pictures of bow and air battles, watching other kids fight each other on television, playing Pokemon cards to battle one another, the Hulk smashing others, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, you know, bad guys destroying dinosaurs. I mean, you, you've been looking in on my grandsons, basically. <laughs> but goes, and then you talk about the girls. And what they're doing is they're blowing bubbles, they're playing marbles, they're playing with Play-Doh. They're performing magic tricks. Uh, they're drawing figures from Lord of the Rings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can, this is not just your, your opinion, but you're observing these kids do this. What do they like to do? Exactly. So if we're talking about interests, if we're talking about activities, that's still the case in modern society. There's a very sex differentiated interests. Um, and so that that hasn't gone away by any means. And then I, I always bring it back to diseases because that seems so critical to me. The way the, the female immune system works is different than the male immune system. And females are much more likely to go to the doctor if they have any kind of symptom. And that makes sense. Even now, it's an enormous difference. Go to a therapist if they're you know, worried about things. So there are huge sex differences that remain, despite the fact that um, women are more likely to go out of the house and join men at their work. 
Um, not to say that women weren't always likely in hunter-gatherers to go out and, and procure food. They always have been. Um, but for a while, you know, people had this idea, oh, women stay in the home, which is, is not true. It's just not true. Women work so hard and they, they also produce much of what the family um, eats and so forth. But there are many things that are not going away that are in our DNA that have to do with from interests and activities at age three to how the biological um, immune system works or the pain system works or sleep disturbances that keep a woman up more likely than a man. And that's helpful in case her children or grandchildren are around. So um, there are many sex differences that are still there, even though there's much more mixing and intermingling of the sexes in modern society. So you're talking about success strategies. For men, it's it's being physically dominant or being able to uh, win games, uh, you know, throw the ball the furthest. You know, men can throw better than women. That's a, a difference. But women have incredible success strategies. And you're, you're just your title chapters, uh, uh, protecting herself, a woman's basic instinct. Uh, I love this one. Female friends smile, then eliminate the competition. <laughs> and number seven, chapter seven, organizing her family, the vulnerable and the assistance. So there's a whole, there's a whole set of strategies. What what does smile then eliminate the competition uh, uh, mean? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of times people want to say males are competitive because they're constantly in contests, and you see yeah. it from you know age three and forever. Males love games or sports or whatever, and they want to be the best at whatever it is, which seems ridiculous to me. But you know, what people don't realize is women benefit from competing with other women too. And they do it in a different way. They do it more subtly. They do it um, using maybe social exclusion. So it can't be pinned directly on them. They don't get into direct competition. But it's ridiculous to think women don't benefit by doing better for themselves. And one of the ways women do better for themselves is marrying a really helpful mate. And that makes such a difference to a woman's life all over the world. So it would be crazy to stand by while, while another woman um, is interested in the same man you're interested in, or if you're married to just let other women or, you know, come into your house and not think about it. So what I'm trying to say is women are just as agentic as men, that they should be proud of it, that that's a way in which one furthers one own, one's own interests and one's children's interests. And so um, men and at work trying to do better than other women, just like a man would do, this makes total sense. It's just it, people, either they want to or they don't see it, they somehow come away thinking, oh, women are not competitive. We just let other people run over us. And that's absurd. And it's not, it's not useful. It's not helpful. It's not true. Well, yeah, my experience is women are, are uh, uh, quite effective in, in uh, bringing about what they want to bring about. They just do it differently. And I think that's the point, that's the point you're making. Uh, talk about, uh, you, you make a point here escape one of the things boys like to do is escape with your peers and the ideal orphan life is uh, orphan boys live the ideal life no parents just other boys a distant caregiver and one or more unmistakably evil enemies and uh, you know tom sawyer and huckleberry finn <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, in my research, reading other people's work and my own observations and my own interviews, what I find is, you know, when boys reach the end of early childhood, about five or so, um, they really spend less time close to mothers and close to fathers. You know, they want to escape parents. And then they want to, about six, escape female peers, so other girls. And this is much more true than girls. Girls are willing to play with boys. Girls are willing to play with tomboys. But boys, they want to escape anyone who's not male. Now, of course, there's exceptions to this. I don't mean in any way to, you know, pick on an individual. But the, on average, boys want to be with other boys. And they escape parents. They escape peers like teachers. They escape girls. And they go off in groups of boys. And they have a great time. And it's amazing to me how comfortable they are doing that because it's not what I see. And these are in modern schools with girls. Girls sometimes would really rather stay with the teacher um, and they would like to be in an intergenerational hierarchy. And that's really comfortable. And it's so funny too, because people say boys and men are more hierarchical than girls and women. No, to me, it's the opposite. Girls and women are embedded within a generational hierarchy. So the grandmother, daughter the younger sibling and that's that's the way it is so you don't fight over that because there's nothing you can do about it but boys in contrast are off with relatively equals which is male peers so they're fighting all the time over who's best and they have to say yeah you're better at jumping high in the air and you're better at running fast and and they have to acknowledge that but they're constantly at it and it's a lot of fun you're better at tennis if yeah. we're in our modern society um but it's relatively equal relative to girls. The, 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 you're, you're talking to a, a boy's man or a boy's mind and a man's body, I guess, because I remember back to the teams that we were on, you'd organize teams and this person would be good at that or that good at that. And you'd find all these specializations. And, and, and you also make the point that you can get into a tremendous fight with another boy. And then when it's time to get together and start competing as a team, you make up and you get on and you do that. I had a lot of recognition uh, when I read that, uh, but I still want to keep probing. How universal is this? Is this true in Japan? Is it true in India? Is it true in Uganda? I mean, is this something that you could say, okay, I can I'll go walk into a grade school in, 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 in uh, Tokyo and I'd see this. Okay, so there hasn't been as much research done as there could be, but when I started out, I read anthropological reports and they were showing that between five and seven years of age across the most you know, diverse societies, boys were forming groups. Now, it, there's a caveat in hunter-gatherer societies, there sometimes just aren't enough children of the same age, in which case boys, you know, they, they're interested in equals, so they, they can't do it. But once you get enough children of the same age and the same sex, boys seem to organize themselves in groups. I mean, I, I remember one of the first studies I did is I put six children of the same sex together. I said, do whatever you want. You can have just fun. And I gave them two balls, foam balls, and a few puppets that were like tigers or something. And the boys divided themselves into two teams. This is before there were team sports played at their school. I did that on purpose. And they fought each other the whole time. Every group of boys did that. Um, every single one. Now you could say this is Western society and we've been taught to fight wars and boys are told they're, they're gonna fight the wars. 
But this was a, a very, one of the most upper class schools I've worked at, ever worked at. And it, it was shocking to me. I sometimes had to stop them because I was afraid I'd get in trouble for them hurting each other. Yes. Girls never did that. I want to I want to defend Western society. I mean, there's a lot of samurai movies in in Japan where that's part of their culture, and you find in the in graves in from tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years back, like up to 25 percent, 30 percent of the bodies in the graves are are wounds from uh, from wars or or you know death you know fatal wounds from wars. And so this is across time and across all cultures. One of the things you don't, there's not a phrase in your book called battle of the sexes. I've just, I'm sitting here listening to you. That's not really what you're talking about. I mean, we're, we're, there's a coexistence here and it's almost the more we recognize uh, uh, differences, the better off we're likely to be. Well, you know, I don't look at cross-sex interaction at all. And the reason is I started, my work with, with sometimes I even infants, but by three years of age, you see sex segregation beginning. It occurs in non-humans, it occurs everywhere in the world, and it ends in the sexual division of labor, which occurs in every single society they've ever looked at. So how does this happen? Um, and you know, there are various theories out there, but the most obvious one is women have children, that is constraining and women want to take care of the children. They, they have this desire to take care of vulnerable others and it's very, very strong. And men are faster. They have greater upper body strength. They, they can you know, throw things faster or harder. Um, and so they can do other things and they enjoy doing those things. So it's not just that, oh yeah, I can do it, but I don't really want to. They, they love doing those things. So you get, men and women who are constructed differently. They're constructed for different purposes. And you know, you can override some of that, but some of it is emotional, what you enjoy doing, and it's there so early in life. And that's what you socialize yourself. I mean, to me, the biggest socialization agents are not television or parents telling kids what to do. It's other kids of the same sex. And it's like, oh, that one likes to do what I do. And particularly, I see this with males. He likes rough and tumble and she doesn't. Well, I don't want to play with her because that's my favorite thing to do. I want to jump on top of his head and beat him up and then laugh at him. And he'll come back and do the same thing to me. And boys learn how to titrate that so they don't hurt each other. And if they do hurt each other, then they're not going to be liked. So they, they figure it out. They figure out all these skills and they, they socialize each other. And so what you're talking about is by age 18, boys have been socialized a lot. By who? By the other people they spend their time with. And that's, my, to me, mostly other boys. And girls have also been socialized. And the girls have been socialized to be dead even, to not brag, to not overtly compete, to you know hide their own achievement motivations and so forth, because other girls don't put up with that. And that's pretty universal as far as I know. Certainly in terms of language, women are much more polite, um, much more egalitarian. They're expected to be that way. And who's expecting it? Other, other girls and women, uh, you know, so there's a lot of socialization, but that's partly because that's what you're comfortable with. Uh, what are you researching right now? What's your, what's your, uh, what's your current? Okay. Uh... okay, well, um, there's a project I just finished that has been provisionally accepted um, in scientific reports. And basically it looks at a situation where, um, 
Two children have to bring a basket of blocks. They each have to carry their blocks to the other side of the room to build a tower and they'll get a sticker when they're done. But one of the children's um, basket of blocks breaks halfway through. We have an electronic device, it breaks. And we're looking at, I we've just finished it, but sex differences in response. And there are so there is some overlap, but the differences are unbelievable. The girl, the bystander girl whose basket did not break, is shocked. She stops. She doesn't continue on. She looks like an emergency has occurred. And this is a random other female classmate from her, you know, from her classroom. And she waits until the other girl picks up all her blocks, which are now scattered all over the whole room. And then they both finish together. Boys don't even notice that something happened. They'll look over. <laughs> Sometimes they laugh. I <laughs> think they keep going. They finish their thing and they're like, where's my sticker? You know, we, we try to make it, yeah. So, um, you know, we try to make it as realistic as possible. The adults are outside the room. So the kids are on their own. They're five to five and six year old kids. And it's just amazing. I mean, the reason I trust it is because it's not an interview. It's, it's not a self-report. It's the behavior. And it's so vast the differences in terms of what I would call what should be the definition of empathy, which is just concern for somebody who's vulnerable. Um, and it's such a minor thing that happened. And we warn them beforehand, the bas sometimes the basket breaks. So we're sorry if either of your basket breaks. So there's no shock. And yet girls act as if this is a major emergency. Well, on top of everything else, I'm part of the oblivious sex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been so entertaining, enjoyable, and I, I'm, lo I'm looking forward to talking with you again. This is, uh, you're digging into something that's fundamental and important, and I hope everybody uh, reads your book. Uh, Dr. Joyce Benison, author of Warriors and Warriors, it's on Amazon, both the book and in Kendall, and I think you've got an audio book, don't you? Yeah. You've got an audio book as well, highly recommended, and, and for, especially for people who are skeptical. I would take the time to dig into this. It's not a long book, but it's extensively researched. And I think you'll come away with some insights you may not have had before. So Joyce, thank you. And, and thank you for listening and, and watching. And uh, we'll see you again next time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.